today's topic is uh, on uh, a new dawn. I remember the first time I spoke on this uh, from uh, Joshua 5, these verses from verse 1. I had actually invited another, another, another man of God to come and speak in our church, the church we were pastoring in Botswana. And uh, for some reason, he had never done that. He did not come. And then I went out. The time for the sermon is uh, almost uh, approaching. Eh? And the guy is staying like 90 kilometers away. And I could tell, I could hear noise in the background when he picked my call. And he, he said, you know, Muruti, I, I got stuck. And I said, this man, what is wrong? He, ca he cannot even want me. And I had no message, actually. And somehow God, God led me to this scripture. And the, 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 the title then of the message was uh, removing the reproach of Egypt from our Mideast. And I think it's still a good title for us today. Although the title that I heard for this message was uh, a new down. Because when God removes the reproach that has, that has followed our lives, then we actually get into a new, a new down, a new era. Praise the Lord. And perhaps God would speak to us this morning. Let's just bow our head for prayer. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. Speak to us, O King of glory, from your word, O King of glory, in the name of Jesus. I'm just but a vessel, O King of glory. Use me, O King of glory, to deliver your word as you would, O my Father and my God, for the glory and the honor of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So from verse 1, I read very quickly because of time. So it was when Joshua, sorry, so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted. I'm reading from NKJV. I, 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 I hope it's what we have. Eh? At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the four skins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sown to their fathers that, and that he would, that he had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised, he raised up in their place. For they were circumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Praise the Lord. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land 
On the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna. This is important to note. But they ate the food of the land of, the, of Canaan that year. Praise the Lord. So very quickly, I will do a quick introduction, then uh, talk a bit about uh, why circumcision and what, of course, the significance is. And, of course, they uh, touch on the issues of uh, the significance of circumcision in the Jewish culture and, of course, in other cultures very quickly. And then the dawn of a new season. And, uh, of course, we conclude the message. So as a way of introduction, of course, uh, we can identify with this story because we know, of course, uh, Joshua had just uh, taken over from Moses. Moses was the leader that God had commanded to bring the people, of the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And uh, when Moses disobeyed God, and this is uh, significant because uh, the Bible said, has just told us in the scriptures that we have said, why God swore that some of them would never see the promised land is because of disobedience. Praise the Lord. And for, for that reason, God killed the whole of the old generation, apart from Joshua and Caleb and a few others, of course, who had obeyed the word of the Lord. All the old generation, all the men of war who had been circumcised as per the command of the Lord as they left Egypt, they were killed on the way. And it's on a new generation, 40 years old, and they still need to be circumcised. Let me tell you, uh, as we start, of course, that the theme, this is my own interpretation based, of course, on uh, the revelation that the Lord gave me, that the theme of Joshua 5 is God intervening for his people so that he brings a time for turning around of uh, the situation of his people so that God can roll away every rotten history and give us a future with hope, as Jeremiah says. Gave, of course, uh, the, this, uh, in these scriptures we see, of course, uh, God giving the children of Israel a preview of things to come by dividing first the Red Sea. When they were, of course, uh, they encountered the Red Sea, God asked them to command Moses to raise up the staff and strike the waters. They were divided into two so that they passed dry shore. That the, that the witness the Bible gives. And this is the second time now that is being, of course, recorded, that is recorded in Joshua 5. And God, when they reached the river Jordan, God again told Moses to strike the waters. And the waters again were divided into two. This is a, a river that is flowing. And the, the Bible gives a record that the children of Israel actually cross the river Jordan dry shod. Like they are crossing on dry soil. Not on wet soil. Not on wet sand. Dry shod. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I just want to say as we start, that God can melt every situation and make it exactly the opposite of what you are seeing in a moment of time. Praise the Lord. So it does not matter the situation that is facing us. God can lap it up with his fire in Jesus' name and dry it in, in the name of Jesus for his own glory and honor. And the Bible gives record in Joshua 5 that when the kings of the Amorites and other foreign kings who were in the land of Canaan, when they heard what God had done for the children of Israel, dividing the river Jordan into two so that they passed dry short, the Bible says it melted 
the hearts of the kings of the Amorites. It melted. It put fear. It instilled fear in the hearts of the, of the Amorite king and other kings, of course, who are serving uh, foreign gods around the land of Canaan. And you see, these are the enemies that the children of Israel we are supposed to face so that they can make way into the promised land. And already their hearts have been melted because of the fear God had instilled in them through his doing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want to ask us as we start, when God puts our enemies to shame and causes their hearts to melt, how do we interpret it? And how do we behave? Do we see it as a sign of the things that God is about to do? Or do we see it as the ultimate, ultimate achievement? Because it's also very possible, many times God is taking us to a place. And God, once God has spoken, and he says our destination is this. He says that our destination is a promised land. God will not change because of the excitement of the moment. But our hearts can easily lose direction. Because we get so excited, we see the fear in the hearts of our enemies. And we can easily think that we have actually attained our ultimate goal. This should not be the case, brethren. Praise the Lord. We must be careful not to over-celebrate to the level of missing the ultimate prize. Have you seen the way people race in, uh, in sports? You have seen the foolish ones who look at their, their, their competitors and they see they are 100 meters behind them. And then they start clapping for themselves and they, they start going looking forward and rejoicing. And sometimes some of them are actually overtaken. Because they have lost, they have forgotten that their ultimate goal is a crossing line, is a finish line, praise the Lord. Hallelujah! Israel's ultimate prize was the promised land. It was not the division of the Red Sea or the division of the river Jordan into two so that they crossed dry short. Praise the Lord. In other words, God was only dividing the waters of the Red Sea and the waters of the river Jordan to make a way for the children of Israel to reach the promised land. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 that those who think, think they are standing, those who think they are standing must take heed lest they fall. There is a cost to every element of pride. Once we allow pride, and that's why many of us have fallen. The many times we have uh, disobeyed God. Many times, or we have sinned against God. Many times it starts with pride. We think as we are not like so and so. We cannot be impacted. You know, we, you know as we are, we are, we are these, are, these are the stories, brethren. I remember as I was thinking about these scriptures in the morning. Actually, God took me to a very old happening. It happened, I think, I was in Form 3. And I'd just given my life to Christ. And I was a... So there was a sports fixture in our school. Actually, it was the Machakos County. I was in Machakos High School. It was the Machakos County. It used to be called Zamaku. Zamaku. <laughs> Zamaku, you know, it's a mix of Kekamba and Kiswahili. Because Nzama is a, like a, a committee. So it's like the, the, the Supreme Committee. And that was the club of the county government, of, of the county, uh, county council then. And they came, they had a fixture, a, game, a, a, a soccer match with another team. I can't remember which one it was. And out of the excitement, one of the county council workers actually left his official bicycle on the field. And because I was a prefect, I picked it. I, and the guys, uh, the kids, uh, the, the other boys came and took it. They cycled the whole day. 
the, the following day was a Sunday. By the time that he came for it, I realized now he's falling apart and I picked it and I took it to the, to the teacher on duty. And already I could tell the, the so-called chest was not good. And this guy is coming now, he only remembers the most, ultimate, the most ultimate prize that he has from his employer, the means of transport to work. He forgets it in the field because of the excitement of the moment. And I, I was actually surprised God reminded me of this. And this is what we are likely to do. Sometimes we can celebrate until we actually forget the prize that we are, we are, God expects us, of course, to win for his glory and honor. Hallelujah. So in brief, then, the scriptures we have read, the, the, the Bible says uh, God is speaking to Moses and he says uh, today, because uh, we know we have got a uh, children of Israel. And so you see the importance was that uh, circumcision was part of the Abrahamic covenant with God. God had said as a sign, every male who is eight, eight days and above must be circumcised as a sign that you belong to me. Praise the Lord. And there was no bargain about it. God did not ask them if they please, they do it. He had commanded them to do it as a sign that they are members of uh, or they were partners in his covenant with Abraham. And they had done it in, his, uh, in Egypt. But along the way because of the problems of the, or, or, or on the way because their focus now became how to, to reach the promised land. They actually forgot the, 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 the statutes of God, the commands, the instructions that God had given to them. And God is saying, circumcise the children, uh, the, the, the males, every one of them, some of them over 40 years. Because some of them had perhaps just been born when they were in, before they left Egypt. And the, 40 years is a long time. You are talking of some of the fellows with grandchildren. And God is saying they must be circumcised. It's not about their age. It's about whether or not they are males. Praise the Lord. And after they were circumcised, they were actually grounded for some time because circumcision, that's a part, one of the causes of circumcision, but I'll, I'll come to that in a moment. Let me just speak about uh, some of the important things that the, 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 the scriptures talk about. A reproach. A reproach is something because he says, God, after they circumcised their, 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 their males, then God speaks to Joshua and he says from today, I will remove the reproach of the Egyptians from your midst. And what's a reproach? A reproach is something that causes shame. That brings blame, that brings disapproval, that brings disgrace upon an individual or a group of individuals. The first mention in the Bible is Genesis 30, verse 22. When it's talking about the reproach that Rachel went through because of not having a child. Because having children, like not having children in the Jewish culture was taken, was viewed as a curse upon the person. And therefore, uh, the Bible says, of course, uh, uh, Rachel, of course, uh, was like uh, full of reproach. And uh, in verse, uh, in, 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 in the same chapter, it says, of course, uh, it distressed Rachel so much that she preferred to die instead. Because she told God, give me children or else I die. Because for her, that reproach, it was either God to remove it from her. That's how serious it was. Or God allows her to die. Praise the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 20, uh, 26, the Bible says about when he's talking about Goliath and of course the mockery, uh, uh, of course uh, that, uh, that, uh, that he made the children of Israel, of course, undergo. Verse 26 says, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? There was a reproach. They are the children of God. But God, there is a fellow called Goliath who actually worships a foreign God who is taunting the whole of Israel. And no single fellow in Israel can fight him because we know the story about that. Until David, of course, came into the picture. 
And God perhaps is asking us this morning, is there a reproach that has followed us from Egypt? Our Egypt, of course, is our past. Could be our family ties. Could be our family trees. Could be our associations. Could be what we have done in the past that has followed us. And the Lord is pointing out to us this morning. And he is not pointing it out so that we can feel ashamed, so that we can feel like we are guilty. He's pointing it out to us so that we can surrender it to him so that we can, he can get rid of it and we have a new beginning. Praise the Lord. Quickly about Joshua. Who was Joshua? Joshua, in uh, the Hebrew culture, Joshua's name means, is called Yehoshua. Yehoshua. It is Yahweh or Jehovah is my salvation. It is the same root word that in Hebrew is also translated Jesus. Because Jesus is a conscription actually of the long Yehoshua to Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name for Jesus Christ. And therefore, actually, Joshua was a type of Christ. Praise the Lord. And we know Joshua, of course, was brought up by Moses. One was mended by Moses, but he was among the few witnesses who went, the few spies who went to spy the promised land, and they came with a positive report. Everybody else came with a negative report from, apart from uh, perhaps uh, Joshua and Caleb. And uh, in uh, Joshua, verse 24, chapter 24, verse 14, Joshua, starting from the beginning of the, cha of the, cha of the chapter, Joshua brings to the fore another type of, a totally different type of leadership from that of Moses. It tells you Joshua, just like Jesus Christ, brings a, a, a new dawn, a new dawn, a new era, a new, a new way of doing things and do, of doing business, even in terms of uh, governance. He brings, for the very first time, he brings some kind of democracy among the people of Israel. It's not, it's not like we want to condemn Moses because Moses was the best leader for the children of Israel at the time that they left Egypt. They needed a dictatorial fellow. And if you, those who have sat in leadership classes, we will be told, of course, uh, that time the children of Israel needed somebody who could dictate to them. They had gotten so much used for the, to, to the children of Israel, to, to the Egyptians thinking for them. Where you are told, ah, you, you cannot think. You, you don't know anything. Just go and make bricks. They were virtually slaves, even psychologically. Praise the Lord. And therefore, they needed a fellow who would command them and not give them the flexibility of making choices like Moses. Hallelujah. So that when he says we are heading this direction, nobody can say, but God showed me this direction. But during the time of Joshua, now the situation had stabilized and Joshua brings some level of democracy. And you remember in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua says, you know, he, talk, he reiterates the instructions of the Lord of that he had given to them through Moses in, uh, of course, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, 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 in Exodus and in, in Deuteronomy and even in Numbers. And he tells them, from today, if the Lord is God, serve him. But if you think he's not God, he's not telling them you must have God. He's giving them flexibility. He tells them, but if he, to you he's not God, serve whoever you want. But as for me and my house, a very strong prophetic, prophetic message or pronouncement. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't say I'm going to consult my wife and my children to come and say whether or he spoke prophetically. And this is to men. Because many times we say, hey, let me go. You know, I speak sometimes with a lot of authority on behalf of my family. You speak prophetically. And you trust God to convince your wife that she will tell the lie. 
Praise the Lord. Don't go and dictate to her because it will be bad. It will not augur well. You will not go far. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Joshua says, as for me, let these others, because there is democracy now, choose whom they want to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's exactly what Jesus would do. Jesus came to bring us the grace of the Lord, to reconcile us back to the Father. He never arrests any of us by force. And that's the danger we are living in. Because there is as much democracy as there was during the time of Joshua. Where God says here is a grace. Whoever wants to partake of my grace can partake of it. But you have the freedom to choose otherwise. Praise the Lord. And therefore I wanted to bring this to the fore to, see, to show you the significance of Joshua as a leader. He's a leader that God had ordained. And actually he told Moses, now I've forgotten somebody who, like, who will deliver the children of Israel because he can listen to my voice. He will obey my voice. Unlike you who has disobeyed me. So he allowed Moses to go to the top of the hill and see the promised land from far. And he told him, after you do this, go back now and anoint Joshua, son of Nun, as your successor. And then I will take you home. Hallelujah! This is it. And if you run the, the story of how Joshua was ordained by Moses, of course, through the instruction of the Lord, is in Numbers 27. Hallelujah. Now, why circumcision? Of course, circumcision, we know, uh, in, in, involves the removal of the foreskin and so on and so forth. It is, a, of course, it causes somebody to expose their nakedness. I remember when we went for circumcision, those who, who remember those stories, eh? They are not very exciting stories. But we would just go. We didn't go to the bush. I didn't go to the bush because my father was a Christian. And he, he, I was taken to the dispensary. Those, those days, the, the location. The location headquarters. And all the boys, it doesn't, you, nobody cares about your age. As long as you are not circumcised, you are put together because And uh, you know, those days there were no HIV, so the Sindano even never used to be, to be, to, to, to be cleansed after one person. Now, you know what? And then you are waiting room. Then things are bad. And I remember a few times. Some older guys would just jump out and we see old men running after them. They arrest them before they disappear. That's how serious it is. You cannot be circumcised unless you are willing to expose your nakedness. And God cannot circumcise us even in the current dispensation of grace. Until we are willing. Because it's a dispensation of grace where you make a choice as to whether you want to be circumcised. To, feel, to fit within the description of the Lord, of his saints, of his children, of his co-heirs with Jesus Christ, or you choose to stay otherwise. Praise the Lord. It is as painful as cutting off. You know, we farm, we do a bit of uh, subsistence farming. And sometimes when you, when you want a crop, a, 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 a fruit tree to grow well, to blossom, you prune it. Sometimes you feel bad because on the branch has got flowers. You feel for it, but you know if you do not cut it off, there will not be a lot of produce. So you feel bad as a farmer, you want to cut off a branch that is already starting to blossom. But you must do it so that you can spare 
these others and they give you good produce. Praise the Lord. And that's exactly what the, ones, the Lord wants us to do. That's in John 15, verse, 20, verse 2. The Bible says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. That's pruning. And then every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Pruning is cutting some of the small stems, some of the, the buds, so that it remains with enough buds that can grow healthy. Praise the Lord and bear more fruit. Hallelujah. It is costly because if you are operating a kiosk, let me tell you, if you are circumcised today, and you are operating a kiosk tomorrow, you will not even think about the kiosk. You would think about the pain that you are going through. It, that's how bad it is. It grounds you. It grounds you. It grounds you. And that grounding prepares you so that you can listen to the person who takes care of you. It's actually your God. Amen. Are you understanding this? You know we found ourselves being bathed by people who are not even supposed to see us naked. Because you cannot do anything for yourself. You are circumcised. You are, immo you are immobilized. And that's exactly what the Bible means when it, it speaks about, uh, about the rod and the staff in Psalm 23 verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear any evil because you are with me. You are staff and you are rod. They comfort me. Those who know the story of the rod, the staff is to hook of course, to, 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 to walk with, to help the shepherd walk with to, for support. It's also to hook when a, a sheep is going to run away, then you hook it with the, with, the, with, with the stuff and you return it to the fold. But if the sheep becomes too, you know, too arrogant, you actually arrest it and you break the joints with the rod. The rod is also used to hit enemies from far. But when it comes to, 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 to real discipline, it is used to break the sheep's joints so that it's totally grounded. It learns to depend on the shepherd. It learns to hear the voice of the shepherd. And many times, that's how circumcision from God's perspective is. We are not now, in this dispensation, of course, talking about the circumcision of the flesh. We are talking about the circumcision in the heart. The circumcision that changes us from haters Especially Kenyans. We know there are guys who are they will feel like vomiting. Actually, literally, I saw one lady we used to go to church together before I was born again. And it surprised me. I've never forgotten it. We used to have the way the, you know, the churches in the rural areas wanakuja kusaidiana, wanakuja hapa, tunakuja kulima kwa so and so, tumusaidie. Especially people if they are not feeling well or some of their leaders. And one day we went to one of the church members' uh, uh, homes to help them uh, to till the ground. And she said, so and so, staki kumuona sikuji hapa. Nikimuona na sikiyanga kutapika. And by some coincidence, this other lady walks in. And actually this lady, other lady was saying she can vomit, she vomited. That's how bad it is. Hatred can grow to such levels that it causes us so much, so much hatred. We can actually vomit, vomit. And many of us need to be circumcised so that we jump from that bandwagon to a new bandwagon, a new beginning, where we are set free. Because when you hate others, the Bible describes you in 1 John chapter 4 as a killer, a murderer. And the Bible says you are not just a murderer, but worse than a murderer. Anybody who hates their brother is worse than a murderer. For us to receive healing, we need to be circumcised, to allow God to circumcise our hearts so that we get healing and we get, 
into a new bandwagon overlooking at everybody from whatever part of Kenya as your own brother and sister. We have just prayed for Rwanda. I've got a lot of, uh, a lot of stake in Rwanda. I don't have any piece of land in Rwanda. But I've got a lot of friends. Some of them are my former students. In all kinds of uh, uh, employment. In the military. In the meteorological services. In the environmental services. Those are my friends. When they hurt, I feel bad. And I know some of them have got a history with Kenya. Because I remember at least a few of them who grew up in Kenya and they went to school in Kenya because they could not go back to their own countries during the first genocide. That's how bad it is, brethren. And if we can look across the border and see neighbors hurting and we feel for them, charity must start at home. Say amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Circumcision, God was trying to renew his covenant with his children. The covenant that he had already agreed with Abraham, our father of faith, in Genesis chapter 17, starting from, uh, of course, uh, chapter verse 1. But verse 10 especially says, this is my covenant which you shall keep. Shall, those who are lawyers, I'm not one, will tell you when you use shall, it is not a choice you have been given. It is obligatory. You must do it. It's not an expectation. So you shall keep this covenant between me and you and your seed after you. Every man among you shall be circumcised. We keep on saying, misquoting these scriptures, we say it is a sign of the covenant. It is actually an obligatory clause in the covenant. If you breach it, then you, are not, you don't belong to the commonwealth of Israel. And so is the case today. You breach the code of holiness. The Bible says everyone who is called by the name of the Lord must flee fornication. Everybody called by the name of the Lord must make peace with others as long as it is within their means. Many times it's within our means, but we choose the opposite direction. We need to be circumcised brethren in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is also a sign that because of the disobedience and the renewal of the covenant, then God wants to wipe out or to wipe away the history of disobedience in the desert from Egypt to the area around Jericho, Gilgal, of course. He wants to wipe out that history so that he can give us a new beginning. And that's exactly what God is speaking to each one of us. He wants to wipe us, to wipe out, or to wipe away our history, our shortcomings, our failures. Even a sickness is a reproach because it is not, it is not one of the gifts that the Lord gives. One of the things the Lord dispenses is healing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So even some of the sicknesses that have followed us and, and we cannot, we keep on thinking we must go through them because our families, members, and so on and so forth, have got, it is a reproach. Because when people look at us, they ask us, but you are Christians and you keep on praying for other people. And they, so, so, so if you can pray for other people, the way you are asking Jesus, why can't you, why, why can't you save yourself? If you are the savior of the Lord, uh, of the world, then save yourself first. 
And that's a mockery. When you are mocked, when people look at, you, look at you and they speak sarcastically about your faith, it is a reproach. We must be willing to expose our nakedness so that the Lord deals with it in Jesus' name and gives us a new beginning. Why no good amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Now, after the circumcision, God wants us to learn to sit at his feet so that he can disciple us, teach us his ways. Groom us, of course, in the way we should go. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's the meaning. That, that's why he would want us to be immobilized, to reach a stage of uh, sitting and just saying, let me have peace at the, at the feet of the Lord. Because I've tried all the other, these other things, the worries and so on and so forth. Jesus was teaching about prayer in, in Matthew 6 and he said, if you worry, if you are so worried about these things of life, can you add a moment to your life? You are worried about, uh, about how what you will eat, what, how you will dress, where you will sleep, and so on and so forth. Your job. Are you not worried about job, a good job? You are children. But by worrying, can you add a moment to your life? Can you add a moment to your children's children, uh, to your children's lives or to your children's children's lives? You cannot. And therefore, God wants to deal even with the issues of worry and fear. Because fear is of the enemy. We have not been given the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power. In Jesus' name, the spirit of liberty. Hallelujah. It is also a sign that we are now ready to cross over Jordan, to cross over Jordan, to like to run over Jericho and enter into the promised land. And each one of us, God is speaking to us this morning. There is something God has spoken about you. God has promised good things about you. He says in Jeremiah, the plans that I have for you are not, are not what? Are not for evil. They are for, for good. They are for your own good. So that I can give you a future with hope. You cannot get a future with hope that the Lord is promising unless we expose our nakedness. What is it that makes us not to enjoy our salvation? What is it that it makes us not to enjoy what the Lord has talked about us? What the Lord has, has given us prophetically? What is it that makes us not experience it? It is, it is the reproach that the Lord must deal with this morning if we allow him in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Let's also remember that circumcision in other cultures is a sign of graduation into adulthood and responsibility. It is. That's why the government is worried about, uh, especially the, the nomadic, uh, the no, no, nomadic uh, uh, groups. Once they circumcise, and including even bandwidth, so let's be honest. Let's be honest. I saw the analysis the other day and I'm surprised that we are still even circumcising women. This is our country. It's a culture that we must deal with, a reproach that must be removed if we cry to God because God is looking upon us as his children, the church, so that he can change this nation and heal it. Praise the Lord. And once, why the worry is there, of course, from the Kenyan perspective is because once the the circumcision takes place, then everybody is told now you are an adult and you are given the instruction of an adult and some of them go out, they are 13 years, they go out and look for wives and others go out and look for husbands. That's a worry and it's a reproach that we must deal with as a country in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Let me wind up because uh, uh, there is no time. 
What is the significance of this second circumcision then? Because they had done the first circumcision in Egypt. Now this God, God is saying, do this circumcision again. The Bible, is saying, the, the Bible scholars will tell you, of course, that uh, this second circumcision was for three reasons. The first one is to renew the obligation set forth in the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 17. To renew it. You renew it by doing what that covenant says. Praise the Lord. Or by coming back to the obedience required of that covenant. And perhaps that's uh, God is talking to, each, to, to some of us in similar lines. It was also to delink the children of Israel under Joshua's leadership from the failures of the older generation after, uh, under Moses' leadership. Praise the Lord. And it was also to affirm Joshua as the new Moses or as the new deliverer of the children of Israel. And therefore, when God speaks to us this morning, there is something that he wants to affirm in our lives. Each one of us individually and all of us as a corporate body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to finish by reiterating some of the signs that this circumcision marked the beginning of a new day or the, the dawn of a new era. And uh, in verse 9 of, uh, of Joshua 5, the Bible says, the Lord of course, uh, says from today. He actually didn't say, I will roll it. He says, from today onwards, I have rolled the reproach of Egypt from you. Praise the Lord. And perhaps the Lord is speaking this to each one of us. It marks the new beginning because now the reproach that we have been working with, the shame, the humiliation, God has removed in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. And then in verse 10 to, 12, to 11, the Bible says, after they celebrated the Passover, after they celebrated the Passover, then they tasted of the produce of the promised land for the very first time. They tasted of the produce. And from that day henceforth, manna ceased. And there is a significance. We, some of us are so much used to handouts. Manna. Manna. You know, manna was handouts. You are not even supposed to, whenever you have a need again, come to God. He, he, he releases it. You take it. You eat that moment. You have got nothing to keep. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Manna had no seed. God had promised the children of Israel to take them to a new land that flows with milk and honey. He had not promised to take them to a land where they will be eating manna. Because the new land, you must steal the land. Just like like it happened in the Garden of Eden. We must take care of the land because it's our responsibility. God has given it to us. We must till it. It will produce once we till it. And from the produce of the land, we will have our own bread, according, like uh, it is said in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, that the one who gives uh, the, 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 the bread to the eater, he will also give the seed to the, eat, to the sower. So from the produce of the new land, we are supposed to have enough for our daily bread and enough for the seed. Praise the Lord. We cannot plant manna because manna would decay. We even don't know what seed it was made of. Praise the Lord. This is the sign that we are moving from manna into a new productive era in the new land. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Joshua also had a similar encounter immediately after that. He heals and he goes up and he's looking, he's, he's looking over into Jericho. 
And uh, he sees a man with a sword, with a sword. And he asks him, hey, are you for us? Because he, he saw him as a fighter, an earthly fighter. He asks him, are you for us or for our enemies? And the man introduces himself, I'm actually the commander. <laughs> the commander of the armies of the Lord. And he talks a bit and he tells Joshua, now, where you are standing is holy ground. Remove your shoes. Those are the same, the very same words that God used to Moses. He spoke to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. When he called Moses, he said, he saw Moses taking note of the bush that was on fire, but it was not being consumed. And he said, Moses, remove your shoes because the ground where you are standing is holy ground. And perhaps the Lord is speaking to us because perhaps we have been in a period or going through an era of uh, not being sure of how we will live the next day. How we will survive the problems in our marriages. How we will survive the problems, the issues between us and our children, between us and our parents. How we will survive the turmoils in our workplace, the competition in the business place. But the Lord this morning is speaking to each one of us that where your feet are standing, it is holy ground. Remove your shoes because God is about to do a new thing in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. He's about to give you a new dispensation. He's about to give you an era of productiveness so that you stop relying on a short-term aids. Wakamba unaita mwolio. Are you getting this? Handa utunakuja wakonanja unapatewa mkebe ya kilombili ya familia watu kumi. How long will you eat, eat from that? Let's rise up in Jesus' name. But the Lord is speaking to us this morning. The issues that have been following us that we know are not according to the will of the Lord for our lives. We surrender them to the Lord this morning. I can promise you the Lord will roll them away in Jesus' name. And the Lord is already pronouncing a new beginning. The dawn of a new beginning as long as we allow him to circumcise our hearts in the name of Jesus. Let's raise up our hands to the Lord in Jesus' name. Father, we bless you. We exalt you, King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us this morning. You are speaking to us, O King of glory, about our willingness, O King of glory, to expose our nakedness, O King of glory, so that you can circumcise our hearts. So that you can delink us, O King of Glory, from our past, O King of Glory, that is a, that can only be signified, O King of Glory, by failures, O God. That can only be signified, O King of Glory, by trying and failing, sometimes by lack succeeding, O Hallelujah. We want, Lord, to expose our nakedness unto you, King of glory. You know our weaknesses, O oh Lord. You know where, Lord, we have sinned against you, King of glory. We are not hiding anything from you, King of glory, because we know you are a gracious God, O oh King of glory. We pray that you forgive us, O oh King of glory. Forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us, Lord, from every form of wickedness, from every form of unrighteousness, in the name of Jesus. Restore us, O oh King of glory into your righteousness, O King of glory, into the commonwealth of Israel, O King of glory, where there is no shortage of healing, because healing is the bride of your children, O King of glory, in Jesus' name. Restore us, O King of glory. Lord, to your, to your kingdom, O King of glory, indeed, to the core of your kingdom, O King of glory, where your presence dwells, O God. 
So that we do not seek you, O King of Glory, like people without direction, O King of Glory, like people of other tribes, O King of Glory. Restore us, my Father and my God. Look at the history, Lord, of our families, O King of Glory. Many of us, Lord, are having issues with our spouses. We are having issues with our parents. We are having issues with our children, O King of Glory. We are having issues with our neighbors, O my Father. We are having issues with our colleagues at work, O King of Glory, and our business competitors, O King of Glory. We have tried to fight, O King of Glory, as much as we know, O King of Glory, and according to our means, O King of Glory, as human beings, Lord. We have not won the war. We want to surrender to you, King of Glory. Lord, circumcise us, O King of Glory. Delink us, O King of Glory, from this bad history of failure and sickness, O King of Glory. Humiliation, O King of Glory, reproach, O my Father and my God, in the name of Jesus. And set us, O God, on a, on a new dawn, O King of Glory, in the name of Jesus. We want to confess, Lord. That from today, henceforth, Lord, we'll walk in your presence, O God. Not because we qualify, O King of glory, but because we are covered by the garments of righteousness, O King of glory, that belong to our Lord and Savior, even Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. We will walk in your righteousness, O King of glory. Not because, Lord, we are able to pay our debts, O King of glory, but because Jesus Christ has paid the price for us, O King of glory. He has died and resurrected from the places of the dead to give us victory. Oh, hallelujah. As new creations. And he has pronounced himself that our sins are forgiven, O hallelujah. We receive it, O God, the forgiveness, O King of glory, of our Father in Jesus' name. We want to pronounce healing, Lord, upon everyone who is not well this morning in the name of Jesus. People have loved it as O King of Glory. People have asked us sarcastically, O King of Glory. We thought you were Christians, oh hallelujah. Christians also supposed to be sick. Oh yes, we know. But we are tired, O King of Glory, of this game of reproach and humiliation, O King of Glory. And sarcasm, O my Father and my God. We want to surrender unto you, O King of Glory. Because we know you care for us, O King of Glory. You are the Hebrew Heals of our sickness and disease in the name of Jesus. We want to pronounce healing, Lord, upon every weak muscle, upon every weak joint, O King of Glory, upon every weak heart, O King of Glory, upon every vessel, O God, and vein in our bodies that is blocked, O King of Glory. We pronounce healing, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. O Healing will flow yet again in our eyes of the glory, in our families of the Father. Healing will flow out again in this church of King of Glory. And we will be a different breed of people of King of Glory. And the Lord will look at us and say that this church of King of Glory has got a different breed of people. They love one another. They value each other. They stand with one another. To the glory and the honor of your name. In Jesus' name. We receive it, O God. That which you have apportioned for us this morning, O King of Glory. Because you have already circumcised us, O King of Glory. By pointing at the areas that we should surrender unto you, O King of Glory. And in obedience, you have done it, O King of Glory. And we have to pronounce 
this morning that our blood is away. It shall not follow us anymore in Jesus' name. We bless you and we exalt you in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name.